coaching expert, author and life coach. And I'm so excited to have Emily Sexter from Switzerland with me. She's an international urban gardening expert, chef and mentor. It wasn't until she was faced with her own health challenges that she became determined to find a way of growing her own vegetables while enjoying urban living. She created the Easy Urban Gardening System, specifically designed for raised beds or containers on balconies and terraces in town to help city dwellers enjoy freshly harvested vegetables without exhaustive work. Of course, she also teaches how to turn those veggies into delicious, fresh, homemade meals. She now loves to pass on her family legacy in cooking with fresh ingredients and in experimenting with adventurous flavor combinations. I'm so grateful you're here, Emily. Hello. Hi, Welcome. Esther. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm totally thrilled. <laughs> yes, beautiful. So let's start with my usual question. What has been your turning point in your life? Ooh, that is a good question. And honestly, there are actually, there are a few, but I don't want to go back too far back. But um, I think the first one that is interesting um, for your listeners is the move I made from when I emigrated from the Netherlands to Switzerland. That was a big uh, turning point because I gave up um, quite a nice corporate career as COO in a middle-sized company and being a board member and all the excitement that comes with that to move to Switzerland, kind of like in the expectation of just finding another nice and exciting and, and challenging job. Uh, but that actually didn't happen like that. Um, I, of course, didn't have the extended network uh, here in Switzerland as I used to have in the Netherlands. And in general, COO positions are not really advertised. <laughs> so, so that took way longer than I expected. Um, applying for other um, senior management jobs wasn't as easy in uh, Switzerland as I was used to in the northern part of, the, of Europe. So that didn't really work out and it drove me totally mad and crazy um, to not work. And later I did accept the job, but it was supposed to be temporary. It wasn't at that level. And so I was kind of like moaning and um, complaining at home until my husband said, well, just stop it, quit it and start for yourself. I'm like, okay uh why not <laughs> that's an interesting thing um so yeah so that i did um and i went back to what i was used to do as a raised chef and you know started being in the kitchen with my mom as of the age of three so i started the luxury catering business um we were there at all the important moments in life we did um like boutique weddings um you know the 50th 60th 40th anniversaries or birthday parties i developed it also into b2b so a lot of the customer events furnishage art exhibitions things like that and then 
well, the next big turning point came and challenge came on my path when just two years into my new started business, still being totally me, myself and I, I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And uh, quite aggressive and advanced. So I was um, up for almost two years of treatment. So I had to close my business. Because as I said, it was me, myself and I, nobody else was going to do it. <laughs> I wasn't there yet. <laughs> so um, I had to close it. And then after uh, conquering the, the cancer and being kind of like back on my feet again, I restarted. So I picked up the pieces and started the same business over again. Definitely not unsuccessful, but then... I had to realize, or I came to the realization that the chemotherapy destroyed all sorts of things in my feet. And doing this kind of catering, definitely on the level that um, we were doing it, I could just not be on my feet that amount of hours. So doing a party or an event meant that the event itself, of course, is already like hard work, but all the preparations and uh, what we say the so-called mise en place it's like the days before after the event i couldn't walk for three days so that mm. was not very sustainable and so the physical problem combined with the fact that uh, being that ill and actually totally treaded the needle um lucky that i'm being lucky that i'm still alive also made me aware of the of the lack of long lasting impact my business had and i know you do create memories and especially of course if you do a wedding that is kind of like a long lasting memory but only for the the couple that is getting married the guests they do enjoy it and it's fun because you're always at the fun side of life with your customers but it's only then I, I, there is nothing to give them after that one moment that they put that exquisite bite in their mouth and say, oh my gosh, this is so delicious. So I was having, starting to have tr problems with that uh, as for my own, for my own fulfillment. And also I was uh, not even 40 when I, uh, when I fell ill and becoming ill was like, okay, this is end of your dream of having a family with children of your own you know you just like skip it forget about it like okay um and that combination was like hey i have this legacy this family legacy of six i'm the sixth generation female chefs um of cooking with fresh ingredients cooking very um adventurous and different um, being flexible in just on the top of your head, not really necessarily needing recipes, using spices and herbs in a way that most people don't know anymore. Besides the fact that cooking with from scratch with fresh ingredients is something that is already, well, it's getting rare, rarer and rarer. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, if I'm not going to have kids of my own, who am I going to pass this on to? I mean, why should this stop with this, with our sixth generation? Mm -hmm. 
and I've always been in business with with my mother and so we sat down and she was like well why not adopt the world as your children and my grandchildren and pass our knowledge and family legacy on to them to people who love cooking who love dining and whining who appreciate high quality ingredients who understand that it does make a difference whether you have a five days old or a one day old veggie um, that it does make a difference whether you buy meat that is from a cow around the corner that has been in the uh, pastures all its life or one that is from the other side of Europe and was raised in a, in, a, in a stable with no daylight and, and, and things like that. So that is how we changed from Emily's Fine Dining, which was like the catering, to Emily's Fine Food. <laughs> and included in that food is, of course, one of the divisions is Easy Urban Gardening. Yes, this is beautiful. The path you, you took is how shall I turn it? I mean, there were so many steps you didn't want to take or you, you didn't plan. So starting from, from coming from the Netherlands to getting cancer. And so what, what helped you in this time when you didn't reach the goals you, you set? How did you do it? Well, first of all, it's, it's what, what my, my friends always say. You are you're you're incurable optimistic <laughs> so that does help a lot but it's not it's not just that it's, it's i mean you can be optimistic until the end of the world without uh, reaching anything um a big thing was my my support around me a friend my my husband my parents a handful of really really close friends uh, who i could count on no matter what um, that, of course, is, is very, very important. And even if, if life takes a turn on you, set a goal. And I can and give a, a, an example from the time that I was, was ill. I was diagnosed um, the, the 2nd of August. <laughs> so only a few <laughs> days ago, it was five years ago. And I was, I had my first operation on the 18th of August. So that's like, you know, only two weeks later. And then um, half of halfway September, I uh, went into chemotherapy. And between coming from the hospital after the operation and starting my chemotherapy, I had roughly four weeks to kind of like recover and to organize myself and, and my life, my, the life around me. And I was, I was set up for an extremely strict and extremely invasive, uh, not only the chemotherapy, but also the schedule in which the doctors would preferably have me consume those chemotherapies. And they said, but we definitely do realize that normally people can't stick to it. You know, so if we like after a few months have to you know reschedule give you more time to recuperate from the one therapy till the next that's fine that's okay 
well, I'm Northern European and I'm Dutch, so I'm very stubborn and I'm blunt. So I told the doctors, <laughs> I'm not going to reschedule anything. You're going to give me the schedule and I'm going to stick to it. And they were like, yeah, right. Sure you are. <laughs> uh, and then I was in the lucky, I was in the lucky situation of having a husband who is a pharmacist. And of course, my mother, who is, I would say, I mean, of course, with all, I mean, with so many years extra experience when it comes to cooking and ingredients and food and, and everything. The trio of us, we sat down and um, I had my schedule and my husband, of course, as a pharmacist, knew exactly what that meant and what that had for, for imp would have the impact of it. So he made me a list of deviations I could expect. So he would make me a list and say, okay, during this, this three, because I had three different kinds of chemotherapy. He said, the first one will actually really attack this and this and this, and that will result in having a lack of these vitamins and minerals and, and other nutritional values. And the second one goes there and there. And the third one goes there and there. And part of it would be an overlap. So that would be like the, 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 the worst period where I had two types of chemo overlapping. So, so he made that list. And then my mom and I, we sat down and we said, okay, what are we going to, I mean, we were just, we wrote a diet. We said, okay, then this is what you need. Bottom line was lots and lots of fresh vegetables, pulses, <laughs> fish, and, you know, kernels, seeds, whatever. So we made that, we made kind of like a diet. And then I was, uh, while researching on, on different things um, to really pinpoint the best uh, vegetables also also anticipating on the fact that I might not be as hungry as I normally are <laughs> so we wanted the most developed most valuable ingredients to make sure that even with eating only a tiny little bit I would at least get those nutritional um, elements that I needed well dark green leafy veggies and we all know it <laughs> we don't eat them <laughs> but we all know it <laughs> And then during that research, I came to this, to the shocking discovery that, because I mean, I knew, and we all kind of like, know if you were on holidays and you get a tomato directly from the vine, it tastes so much better. And we always say, yeah, but that's because of the holiday atmosphere. Mm, partly, but for a big <laughs> part also not. Um, but I always thought that I preferred homegrown veggies because of the taste. And what I learned then doing my research is that the homegrown veggies, if you pick them and eat them and have no more than maybe a few hours between garden and plate, the nutritional value goes up between 50 and 95% compared no. to what you buy in the shops. Wow. So I was like, wait a second. The most extreme example is spinach. Within 24 hours, spinach only has 5% of its nutritional value left in vitamins and minerals. Oh. So if I buy a bag of spinach in the shop, <laughs> I only eat fibers, which, oh. is, which is important too, but not at that moment. At that moment, I needed the minerals and vitamins that are in the, in the uh, vegetables. So I was like, okay, now I have no other choice. I have to find a way to grow them myself or at least those dark green veggies because of course we went into winter so that's even worse mm. <laughs> i mean the deviations in general are even bigger in in winter when it comes to fresh vegetables and and everything 
So yeah, so that's why my 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 dad and my husband, I I, I did my research on the system. How can I grow uh, vegetables, container gardening, uh, square foot gardening, everything, uh, the French um, Jardin Marché system, uh, which is all comes all, all comes down to dense gardening on small spaces. So I gave my husband and my dad instructions to build me a raised bed. <laughs> to go and get me the, the, the specific ingredients because I wanted to make my soil myself because I wanted to be absolutely sure that there was nothing on chemicals, pesticides, whatever there is in store-bought soil mixtures. So I did that and I started growing my, my vegetables. And um, so I had set myself a goal and that is making sure that I, during the darkest time of my life so far, that I would at least take care of myself in the best way possible. It turned out to be a great thing as well, because living in town actually also makes that gardening is not from March to October. It's actually February to, I mean, your garden from February to November and you have fresh greens in your garden 12 months a year. So in those darker periods when I, felt like not getting out of my bed at all. Uh, my dad would come and he would actually he would pick me up. He would drag me outside and he would say, you have to come and look because we have seedlings or because we can pick new palm tree kill leaves oh, or because so sweet. Um, the chart is ready and you have to go and pick it because we are going to eat it tonight. You know, so it was also mm. this... It is what I say. It's setting yourself goals, even if that goal wasn't on your radar. Mm. And even though it is through those dark, dark moments in life, setting a little goal of checking on my garden every day, even though I needed help with reaching that goal mm -hmm. sometimes. But still, I had that goal. I expressed that goal. I, I spoke it out. It was out in open that I wanted to check on my garden every day. And even if I didn't feel like, or if I was even what, too weak to stand on my own legs, somebody around me would drag me outside to check on my garden every day. Aww. And that is what, what gets you through it mm. uh, in a way that you can do yourself. And then what I didn't do myself, but what I, I'm grateful for until the day, and, and until to date, and probably the rest of my life, is that I have two friends uh, they were both they're both still living in the Netherlands and without asking organizing with my husband they came for my birthday and having friends that give unasked for help is so important during that kind of times because you are not gonna I mean, you're literally too weak to ask you can't even come up with thinking about what can I ask help for and you're asking help for somebody just being around is not something that we people tend to do. And that was exactly what was so mm. valuable and so powerful that just them just being there. <laughs> they got it. That time is the most valuable thing on earth. Huh? Yeah. 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 Spending quality time together is, is one of the big, big things in life. And definitely in my life. <laughs> and how does it come now to the that you're mentoring, teaching people to 
grow their wedges? Yeah, well, it, it is, it's part of like a bigger, a bigger plan or a bigger program that I, that I have. It is, it's actually, as I said, quality time is, is really important. It's how I grew up. It's what we did. The dining table in our family was, of course, like a, 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 a sacred <laughs> thing. Um, it was also the, the ritual of sitting at the table together and dining together. And yeah, coming from, from that place of, of actually at the beginning, not even being sure that I would survive um and then of course being confronted okay it's um that 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 idea of having kids with whom i could go into the kitchen and could go into the garden like i grew up i mean we went with my mom into the garden and then into the straight into the kitchen with whatever we picked and that would be cooked that night was that <laughs> planned no but we went into the garden and we were like oh the beans are ready let's eat beans tonight <laughs> and that that ease of, of of handling fresh ingredients recognizing fresh ingredients even if you don't have the garden but you're on a market knowing what is fresh and what isn't and then cooking with it on the top of your head out you know, just shake it out of your sleeve so to say and and no need for cookbooks and recipes and and things like that is what i always envisioned to pass on to my children and when that dream kind of like shattered, I was like, okay, who am I going to teach this? Who am I going to, who am I going to tell what I know? I mean, who <laughs> am I going to share this, this over 150 years of, of knowledge with? Um, and that's how I came to uh, building a program for where I teach people actually how to cook without processed food. We don't do processed food to grow as, as, as many of the vegetables and, and herbs, especially also not only the vegetables, but of course also the herbs that you use in the kitchen uh, yourself, even though you have a tiny balcony. I mean, and I'm really talking tiny. I mean, you can do a lot on as little space as 60 by 60 centimeters. Um, <laughs> over a whole year, if you only grow veggies and you have a bed or a container of 60 by 60 centimeters, you can grow 16 different kinds of vegetables during a wow. year. So it is literally tiny. It is, we're literally talking square feet or <laughs> like, you know, a few square meters. And, and then of course, I mean, if you have these delicious vegetables, super tasty, super fresh, straight from your garden onto into your kitchen, uh, what do you do with them? I mean, it would be totally, totally, pity and and almost almost a crime to prepare them you know just boil them and put them on the table you want to do something with them something exciting make <laughs> them make them really not only really delicious but also different every time and and it, i mean research shows that 75 percent of the adult people in the western world eat too little veggies and they pass that on to their children. So it's kind of like a, it's, it's, a, it's a horror without an end. Um, so we have to make it a little bit exciting. We have to make it different every time because otherwise we won't eat them. I mean, if I had to eat blanched beans uh, <laughs> more, than, more than twice a month, I would say, no, no, no beans anymore. Thank you very much. But if you, if you turn them, you know, you saute them once with some 
nice and exciting spice combination with some Asian uh, spices and some European herbs, Mediterranean herbs, and you combine that in a way that a lot of people might not automatically think about, then all of a sudden, oh, this is nice. What, what else can we do with beans? Um, so yeah, so that's what, what we do. I mean, we, we teach our people uh, to, as I said, to manage the supermarket, how to stay away from processed food. Uh, I'm not saying you can't buy in a supermarket. I buy in the supermarket, but you have to know what to buy. And then grow your vegetables and herbs as much as possible, depending on the space and the location, but you can always do something. And then cook with fresh ingredients, but without recipes. Recipes are nice for the weekends or for Christmas and you know, for things like that, or when you have, if you're really <laughs> into planning a fancy dinner party. But, but just normally on a Monday night, you don't want to have a recipe. You just want to open your fridge and you know, throw things together in a different way than you did last week, Monday. So we cook without recipes. And then I already kind of like hinted to it, a really, really big part in our program is also to create that family ritual of eating together, sitting at the dining table, no phones, no tablets, no TV, <laughs> nothing. You sit at the dining table, you enjoy the time, you take the time, half an hour in a day to sit down together, enjoy, not only enjoy the meal, but also enjoy each other's life, share with each other, talk to each other. What happened today? What are you what are you planning on? What, what is busy? What happened at school? What happened at work? I, I don't care whether, and, and as I said, family for me is, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be you know, biologically family for me. That I don't, I don't care. If, if your best friends are your family, it's fine with me. Kids, no kids, grandchildren, no grandchildren. It's just the fact that the people you're living with or you're spending most time with, your loved ones, if you don't spend time to talk to each other, you end up being grown apart. Mm. All of a sudden. Mm, no, not all of a sudden. You have to make choices. You have to allocate time and energy to prevent mm. that from happening. And for me, the dining table is number one place <laughs> to prevent that from happening. Great, Emily. I love your message. Beautiful. And what does your dog say behind? Yeah. <laughs> my little, my little, my little Dutch herder, <laughs> my loyal gardening companion is now actually trying to get indoors <laughs> because okay. he sees my husband running around there. <laughs> so where can people reach you, Emily? Well, they can, they can reach me uh, um, uh, easyurbangardening.club. That is my website. Um, you can, tr through the website, of course, you can also find me on uh, social media. Uh, but I'm very, I mean, we're, I am quite, I'm very active on, on Instagram. It's Emily's Easy Urban Gardening, but you can find me there through the website as well. And my mom is, she is going to be the one most active on Emily's fine food. So she's going to go a little bit more into the food side. I am mainly also on the gardening side and together uh, we do the program as, um, as I said, with everything uh, included. Super, wonderful. So one last word or a few words for our audience. My, my advice is, is to take time and 
to actually also allow yourself time. And especially in moments where it's difficult or where you are facing things that uh, scare you or that you're afraid of, um, giving yourself time in a, in a positive environment and whether that is going into nature, going into your garden, uh, being with your loved ones, being with friends, Creating that moment of time and being present, listening to what is happening, whether other people are talking to you or whether nature is talking to you, just listening what is around you and being present in that time makes, make, will make you realize that you can handle a lot more things than you might expect because you are creating the opportunity you're giving your mind the opportunity to process whatever is happening and i am absolutely convinced that if you give your mind that time that it will process it in a way that there is light at the end of the tunnel because that is the survival instinct of your mind there's always a future there is always survival but you have to give it time. If you overload it without giving it time to breathe and to slow down, it will, it will tackle you. Thank you so much, Emily. That was a powerful message at the end. So I wish you all the best with your Thank gardening. you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me. It was really, really wonderful. And for all your listeners that are interested or are thinking about starting or trying it out, there is a free roadmap on my website to download, um, which actually kind of like just gives you the first steps with just one pot and st start trying out how easy it can be to grow vegetables. <laughs> Super, wonderful. Thank you so much, Emily.